We're talking Pentecost today. It's this Sunday, Saturday night through Sunday, and looking at all the different aspects of it. And, of course, my general theme when I talk about Pentecost is there is more, more, more. And uh, so this one we'll call to be one with him means more of him. Mm, that's good. Right? In the Old Testament, it was a countdown to a wedding that never occurred. They were leaving Egypt as free men. Israel's on this 50-day journey to the mountain of God. They never been to the mountain of God. They knew God kind of like an idea. Every one of them arrived there. And you know what all of them had in common? They all heard God's voice out loud with their ears received the law on stone tablets. Every single man and woman and child. That encounter at the mountain was supposed to be the wedding between God and his people, but we talked about that. They were afraid. I mean, it was a scary situation oh, to yeah. them. You know, sometimes you have to realize that the scary situation was God saying, that I want you to see why your enemies are going to be afraid. It wasn't to make them afraid. It was to make their enemies afraid. Mm -hmm. They just weren't receptive. They couldn't imagine that God loved them and was for them because they'd been slaves. Everybody who wanted something was demanding and forcing it. No one had ever said, I want to do something because I love you. They couldn't believe that they could be one with God. It was just, you know, they could only see themselves as a bunch of slaves. Yeah. And I know that, can we be honest? That's, can, is that you? Yeah. See yourself? It's easy. Yeah. You know, we just can't imagine that God really, really, really honest, that God's telling the truth. Mm. He really loves you. And so every year there's, they're commanded to do this 50-day countdown because they're doing it over and over. He says, well, you missed it the first time. Let's try this over and over until we get it. So 50 days, Passover to Pentecost, Passover to Caleb. They're counting the Omer. After the resurrection of Jesus, they finally got to see a part of the wedding when Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit onto the apostles and the new church as the deposit of what is to come in eternity. And, and lo and behold, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes into them. Hearts of stone turn to hearts of flesh. Yes. You realize that God wants to be even closer to us, so he fills us with the Holy Spirit. The letter of the law in stone killed 3,000 in Sinai. The Spirit gave new life to 3,000 in Jerusalem. Hmm. Coincidence? I don't think so. No. While Moses was forced to hide the glory behind a veil, Jesus tore down the veil, made the glory visible to all. He wants us to have glory. That's hard to hear, but can you hear that? He wants you to experience his glory. But the short version of the story goes back to the Garden of Eden, day six. Everything was good, but it wasn't good that Adam should be alone. So we encounter the first marriage of Adam and Eve. They were created to be so close, she isn't even given a name. If you skip ahead to the end of the story, get to Revelation, you're going to find another wedding between the church and Jesus. And again, she has no name, just the bride. Yeah. I mean, this is where we're going. Yeah. That's what he's trying to get through to you. That's Pentecost. Counting the Omer was a countdown to be a partaker in the divine. Wow. Counting the Omer was always a countdown to something. Nothing from this year's barley or wheat harvest could be eaten until each of the wave offerings was made. Why? It's a time of divine renewal or newness. What was forbidden becomes permissible, just mm. like when you're married. Mm. This is not permitted. Now it's permitted. When Jesus comes out of the grave, he presented to his father the wave offering of all the souls who've been locked away in Hades. He opened the door into eternity with God for all mankind who'd been trapped in sin and death. 
we've forbidden to approach God, and now we're acceptable, yeah. part of the divine harvest. When he poured out the Holy Spirit, he enabled us to go from redeemed to empowered, from indwelt to overflowing. He's always taking us from glory to glory. To, we're not done when we're saved. We're done when we're empowered. There's always more of him to pour out. He wants us to live our lives counting the days till our next encounter, waiting expectantly for another promise to come. Mm -hmm. Confident in faith that we will pass right through the trials of life because our hearts are set on pilgrimage. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, those are the children of God. Yeah. He wants us to grow up in him, not remain children forever. The baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't make a different kind of Christian. He fills us with his presence, empowers us with his presence, equips us with his presence, comforts us with his presence. Shocker. The original outpouring of the Holy Spirit during Pentecost is told in Acts chapter 2. But guess what? Soon these people are seeking to be refilled again. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke the word of God boldly. That's Acts chapter 4. The baptism was not a one-time experience, but rather a constant refilling of the Spirit, yeah. which they needed to change the world. They continually sought to be empowered to accomplish whatever task God assigned to them. So they kept getting filled and refilled and refilled. The counting of the omers are a yearly reminder that there is an endless supply of more for those who keep asking, seeking, and knocking. Mm. But if from there you seek Jehovah your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Deuteronomy 4. So on a personal level, 41 years ago, on the second Friday of August, actually 42 years ago, of August in 80, 1980, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was utterly shocked that other languages, which I didn't understand mm. or speak, were suddenly pouring out of my mouth. It was hilarious, because how do you frame that? See, a moment before, I'd been standing in a field worshiping in the only language I'd ever spoken, English. I never heard anyone speak in tongues before. I hate to say it, but I, I've, re I've read the Bible all the time. I really, but I had never heard anyone teach on it, and it, it just, I didn't get it. I, it wasn't something that was out there for me. Mm. So the Holy Spirit massively changed my life in much the same way Jesus had the year before when I gave my life to him. So for my testimony, you know, it's not quite this reading and studying and preparing and going and seeking God. You know, standing at this Jesus festival, I got saved there the year before, and, and they were talking about, do you want to receive more of Jesus? Mm. And of course, <laughs> Hand up, Hand yeah. up, yeah. Of course I do. <laughs> and it's Jesus who pours out the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to understand it. I mean, I can promise you as a 16-year-old, yeah, I did not understand it. I didn't, and I had no idea what it was about. I remember, and then this fell down, and there's 5,000, 10, I don't know how many people. This is a big field. We're worshiping. It has been a great festival. I just remember out of the corner of my eye, uh, to the right, I, I saw what looked like this wall of water, like a wave. And I just glanced, and I saw and suddenly, whoosh, and everyone in the field. And you could look around, you can, and you could hear, and you could see. We were all experiencing the exact same thing, utter shock and amazement. Yeah. Because none of us really had a framework for it. Mm. That, for me, was my experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And since then... My goodness, you know, I've laid hands on people and they've received it. Laid hands on people and they didn't receive it. Prayed for people they received it. Prayed for them they didn't receive it. You know, I've spent nine years uh, really just trying to figure out what it was. 
And it was a prayer language. That's all I knew because we left the festival. It was like, what do we do now? Me and my best friend, we, went, I don't know. we just pray. And, and, you know, we just, it was what it was. So it took a long time until I found other believers that could explain and understand. <laughs> and, and I just learned to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. So yeah. that's how it was. And I've known many people who've earnestly sought the baptism but still haven't received. Some went away bitter, some went away offended, some stopped seeking, plunged into denial, declaring, well, I received the baptism when they were saved and no tongues were required. And I said, well, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. It just happens to be it. Sadly, I know of teachers who claim to be filled with the Spirit and intentionally deceived other seekers into mumbling repetitious phrases and declared it a move of God. <laughs> It was not. Striving in the flesh for a move of God is agonizing. So is screaming at the wind to blow where we want it to blow. Right. <laughs> All I can tell you is uh, we're going to talk more in one more break, but uh, you got to seek him and find him. And until he pours out on you, you ain't done. Right. That's as simple as I can make it. Amen.